Hey everyone, Raghu back with Mind Rolling. And I got a fun little kind of party going on today because uh, we have Mike Posner. And uh, many of you, of course, know who Mike is and had some great hits uh, in the last uh, number of years that uh, uh, entertained. Uh, it sounds like like the, the first hit, was it in the summer? Yeah, I think the first yeah, okay. one was in the summer. Yeah, yeah. that's what I got. <laughs> that's the perfect thing. Yeah, that's what I remember too when I was looking for music way back in the day. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rachel Fisher is joining, and Rachel is development director for Ram. You, many people you're going to know Rachel too because she is behind all of the offerings that happen from Ramdas.org, and uh, much more than that. And so happy to have you here too, Rachel. Thanks, thanks for having me. I'm actually the creative director now. I don't know if you, you got the, the memo, but no, I upgrade tax. I upgraded myself. Okay. It's perfect. Perfect. (laughs) So uh, Mike and I were supposed to meet, as we just said before we got on, you know, over three years ago, around the time that uh, he was uh, doing the uh, cross-country trip, walking trip, which had a lot of different adventures there. And uh, for one reason or another, the pandemic happened. (laughs) That's what happened, right? Yeah, And uh, so we got a little distracted, but fortunately we were able to get back together and uh, Mike is going to uh, be doing one of our Soul Land music evenings. That's right. And uh, uh, that's, uh, what is the date? I think it's the 20, 20... Next Friday. Second. Yes, 22nd of April. That's, this podcast will go up before then so everybody can be apprised. And uh, so really thank you for joining us for that series. And the people you'll be able to do Q&A with Mike and so on, aside from a musical presentation. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. You know, I was listening to uh, Ram Dass here now, the podcast. I, I, you know, before we connected, um, you know, I had been listening to every episode of of that podcast. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, you know, Raghu does the intros and uh, and sh- and sometimes more than an intro, right? <laughs> yeah, that's where people get pissed too. What going on like that? We can just listen to it. I said, well, fast forward it. Leave me alone. It's because you recall everything that's in the podcast before it actually happens. But yes, neither here nor well, there. I like redundancy. You know, this stuff is deep. You know, it takes a lot to penetrate into consciousness. Oh, anyways, I just had this like very strange moment because you know I've like. I've like fallen asleep to your voice or Ramdas voice so many times. Listening to like, <laughs> so weird. You know, I was listening to one of the, uh, and not just, you know, I listen to it whenever, but um, I was listening to one of the newer, newer episodes and you're mm. teasing about the, the performance that I'm doing. And I'm like falling asleep and I hear you say my name. I was like, wait, wait, wait. What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm funny. on here now. What's going on? <laughs> so you're going to start having a Pavlovian moment during this podcast where you just start falling asleep. Please don't do that right in front of me. It's too much to take. No, oh, this so, oh, I've gotten so, you know, one of the things I've told Raku, you know, just in our personal discussions is what a gift that that podcast was. And, and thank you, you know, again, to you for putting that together and, um, I'm sure it's a lot of hard work to go through all those tapes, and now some of them weren't even, you know, di- I mean, none of them were digitized, right? Like in the in the vaults, yeah. you know. Yeah. We have the greatest curator that any library could possibly have, and we we should call it out. Nathan Wilburn mm-hmm. does an extraordinary job for us in finding because there's all sorts of ways in which this stuff gets disseminated in different forms and different themes and different people involved. Uh, teachers and so yeah he does a great job and he uh, has worked with me also he's been around a long time we have some people who have been this thing is getting old sort of (laughs) it's weird it's getting old but also like uh, it it keeps renewing right yeah, I mean the age of like we're actually still doing this. Uh, and now it's, uh, you know, what, 15 years later almost, something like that. Yeah, it's, you know, it's pretty amazing. It is pretty amazing. And uh, But uh, back to you. 
just tell so the one thing I always <laughs> yes you <laughs> the one thing I always want to know is what are the things that happened to you when you were a kid that you know going through teenagerhood and so on that where consciousness became even a, a realization of possibility or at least being of out of what you can feel is a bit of a box that you've been placed sure. in. We are all placed in by virtue of the culture and the parents and yeah. and the previous uh, neurotic tendencies that you bring in. Great. What well, happened? Yeah, well, for me, it was actually much later. Um, nothing really happened when I was a teenager. Um, I, That's because you didn't see John Coltrane. That's what happened to me. Okay, <laughs> If you had seen right. John, it would have changed then. That's what I was. I was on a date last night, and my date put on some train, and it was. Oh, you're kidding! Really good. Okay, uh, then she's right. Oh. Yeah, exactly. But anyways, yeah, I, I, I really did not have much of a spiritual component to my life whatsoever. Mm. Um, I was raised in sort of a uh, secular, humanistic, uh, Jewish household. Um, so we would go to like Sunday school. Uh, but we learned, you know, strictly music, history, language, and, and that was it. Never mention of God or anything spiritual. It was explicitly secular. Mm. And um, and I just, yeah, I lived life from that place. You know, I, if I could see it, touch it, I believed it, and that was kind of it. Um, and, and my journey came came from a, a path. Uh, kind of in the back door, a way that you would, <laughs> one, one might, might not expect. Um, so when I was uh, just finishing high school, I met a rapper in Detroit. I'm from mm. Detroit. And I met a rapper named uh, Sean. And Sean was like kind of a big deal. He was uh, already speaking to Kanye West at the time. And, uh, and for us, that was like, whoa, you know, mm -hmm. Kanye West. Yeah. And uh, so I, he, he was very kind and he sort of like inducted me into his group of friends and I would produce music for him. And um, long story short, uh, his career like sort of stagnated and my career took off. And this is like, you know, four or five years into our friendship later. Mm. And he was... His, his career like really was on the outs. He, he had gotten a record deal, but he was just about to get dropped from the, the label. Nothing just like it wasn't happening. And then all of a sudden, his career took like a 180. And he, he got this hit song out of nowhere. And he started experiencing all of this like material success. Mm. Okay. So that was like, whoa, that was kind of cool. You did that. You turned it around. But beyond the material success, um, I, I went and saw him this time. Now we were in L both lived in LA at this time. So I went to the studio and he was just kind of glowing. And I know you guys, everyone on this call has had that experience where you're around somebody and they just make you feel good. They kind of light you up just by being around them. And even I went home from the studio that night and I was still kind of like a little bit high. You know, mm -hmm. and years later, I met Ram Dass and he, he experienced like this feeling times a million, you know, uh, but uh, like I felt something. So I went back to the studio the next day and I said, Sean, you know, what the hell are you doing? Like, like clearly something's working for you. You, you. you turned your career around, but like you're glowing. And um, he said, you got to read these two books. And the first was... Um, Asking It Is Given by Esther and Jerry Hicks. Mm. Another was The Alchemist. I read The yeah. Alchemist first. Mm. And right. it's, it sort of just cracked me open, Raku. It sort of just cracked me open. And I thought that, well, it seems to like be really working for him. So I was kind of reading with an open mind and open heart. And that there began my, my sort of like uh, introduction to the spiritual, to consciousness. And... From there, I was just kind of go, go on YouTube uh, like um, rabbit holes. And I, I started listening to Wayne Dyer lectures. And then um, it got on to Ram Dass lectures. And of course, got Be Here Now. And that, that book did to me what it, what it does, you know, to people when they, when they read it. And, Amazing. Um, 
it, it, it just changed my life. You know, it changed my life from the inside out. And then, you know, I'll fast forward to, to when I got to meet Ram Dass. Um, I had been sort of like, uh, uh, dilettanting my way through like all these practices. And, you know, I had started doing TM and meditating and, and still it was like, I was checking it all out, even though I was doing it, you know, and a friend of mine, uh, one of my best friends, name is Milo and Milo's mother, um, was dying and she has some sort of I don't know how, but she was connected with Ram Das, and they would um, they would speak on like FaceTime or like how we're speaking now while she was in the hospital. And they sort of had this trip on the books, Milo and his mother, where they were going to go to Maui and visit him. Uh, unfortunately, sh- she passed away. She made her transition before that trip ever happened. Mm-hmm. And Milo calls me up, and he goes look, I, I'm going on this trip still. And he goes, I want you to come with me. I said, are you sure, man? That's, you know, that's quite an honor. He said, absolutely. Hmm. So we go to Maui, we made a little vacation out of it, you know, we're swimming in the beaches and, you know, we're, we're, I don't know, we went there maybe four or five days and, you know, our, our Ramdas day was like the last day. So we're getting ready. And um, we went to the house and um, they let us in and they said, they'll be down shortly. And he came in the room and mostly Raghu, he said a bunch of things I'd heard him say before, right? Because I had read the book and, and, and knew the stories. And, and mm. he said one new thing, which caught me, but mostly it wasn't his words. I'll, I'll say what he said that caught me. And that, that was, he said, you know, all day you're going around and you're, categorizing and deciding what to love and what not to, what's good and what's bad, what's acceptable, what's unacceptable. He goes, that's, that takes a lot of energy. He goes, <laughs> much easier to just love everything. Mm. Oh, wow. You know, and then he showed us, of course, the carpet a little while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and segued into that story, but more than, more than, that that soundbite or or any of the stuff he said and we were there probably 40 minutes um and then he looked at us and he said okay time for you guys to go and we said <laughs> you know and i went and i kissed him on the forehead and 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 we walked out of the house and when we walked out i remember i mean this sounds like kind of strange to say back but this is what happened i walked out of the house and i like keeled over what? I like keeled over almost like, like, not like collapsed, but like I felt overcome with like mm. emotion and connection. That was wow. the feeling. I looked around, we were outside now, we're just walking back to the car. And I felt as if I was just in love with everything. I mean, like everything from the door handle on the car door to the rusty gate to like the dog shit to like, everything like i just felt connected like all the way sounds like mdma to me but yeah but it was just a hit a <laughs> hit a rd rdma, <laughs> RDMA. <laughs> so, and that's cool this is you know that experience was what it was and it ended right you know the next day i woke up and felt pretty much normal mm-hmm. but this is the way it was a pivotal moment in my life was I thought him, this, this is a guy that did the work, you know, he's been working on himself and doing the meditation and all that stuff. And, and I could feel it. And no longer was I, was I like poking around and see, now I knew this stuff mm. is real. Mm. You know? He just by him being himself and, and cleaning up his himself, he, he was able to give me that. Mm. It, and uh, I thought, you know, I would like to make uh, people feel like that, you know, when they're around me. And then I start thinking about it and I go, I can't really think of, of, of something more important to, to do. Mm. And so that was, that was a, 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 
a turning point in my life where that, you know, the sadhana really became a mm. real thing. Wow. And um, for me, and, and that was like, you know, that's what I'm working on. That's what I'm up to. And but, yeah. yeah. No, no, just to say, uh, you, you're lucky you came into this life with the gift that you have, that voice and the ability to emote naturally. That is doing to a lot of people. So you are already doing the thing. And of course, you. you know that. And but Thank the you. other thing is, uh, your this story, which I didn't hear. Did you know this story, Rachel? I feel like I um I think it might have been told on the uh, Solant, or it uh, <laughs> it might be told tomorrow. <laughs> That's right. Okay, good that. catch. Good catch. Yeah, maybe. Anyhow, but what uh, I can't tell you how many times that I talk about uh, trust, like trusting ourselves. And this is what happened to you. You just completely connected by virtue of Ram Dass's radiation of that, I call it that thing there. <laughs> That's what we call it in Quebec, where I'm from, uh, which we, it's ineffable. Everybody has this experience at one time or another. Uh, most people dismiss it as bullshit. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's a little too powerful, especially if it's another human that that is emitting it, not a dream, perhaps, which is easiest to dismiss or reading something in the book or hearing uh, me like hearing Coltrane that one time. Uh, it, so the fact that this happens and happened to you, this trust in the ineffable is goes beyond your head. And you say to me, yeah, this turned me and I knew this was all real at that point. Everything that I had been looking for and, and working with and people and reading and all of it, that, that is, that's what I say to everybody. Everyone has that opportunity to trust that intuitive place that got, for you, it was overwhelming. You just like were bowled over by it. Yeah, uh, but it can be much subtler than that, and you know we just need to trust that place. So yeah, beautiful story, man. Absolutely. That. You know, there was also just to add one more layer to it. There was not a feeling for me that day of like I want to bow down and and just worship Ramdas forever. It was it. It you was. You would have loved that. Oh, yeah. yeah. It felt like much more accessible, inspiring. Like, like it felt like he did something I can do. We all can do. Yeah, that's right. how it felt, and right. I really appreciated that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and he did. You know, he did. He did the work, and of course, he had that stroke. Not many people could handle it that that I've ever met the way that he handled that. I mean, handle it's not even the right word. The, I mean, the grace was the perspective that he had to allow it all to be instead of fighting it. And then from there, he did the work that he was set out to do in this lifetime. Yeah. Uh, all right, Rachel, your turn. My turn? Oh, uh, yeah, as you were talking, I was just thinking about that. Um, who said that the, the next Buddha is the Sangha? Oh, Thich Nhat Hanh. Thich Nhat Hanh yeah, said yeah. the next Buddha is the Sangha. And I feel that so much since Ram Dass has passed that um, his his teachings and what he embodied have really sort of like dissipated into the community and have kind of become all of us. And I just really feel that mm. um, rather than having like a figurehead, you know, whether he wanted to be or not, he was a figurehead. And now that he's passed, I feel like he's sort of everywhere now. And I just, I really feel that like he is accessible to everyone, whether you're on the spiritual path or not. And I, mm. I'm just really passionate about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you telling that story, Mike, you cannot deny it. Nobody sitting here, either watching this or listening to it, in my mind, it'd be very difficult to deny it in any way uh, by virtue of the, uh, the power of the transmission that, and, and it isn't Ramdas. That's the beauty of it. It is a, a, a gigantic, I mean, you brought it into our moment. Mm-hmm. We had that darshan. So mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's the darshan that gets created, which is being in the presence of that which cannot be named. Yes, that's right. That's right. Beautiful. Uh, what about 
Now, when uh, we talked about your walk across America, and it's a very famous story, and everybody who knows you has heard it a billion times, probably. Yeah, but I bet there's some people listening that don't know who the hell yeah. I am. Yeah, right. <laughs> so we could doesn't talk. matter. I always like telling a story again and again because yeah. redundancy gets it to sink in. But you know what happened to me that reminded me of it? I went walking. I I don't think I shared this with you, Rachel. I went walking uh, in one of the canyons here. And a guy comes. I thought you were from... going to say across the country. <laughs> yeah, Just, I went walking for half you, a mile. You, you know better than that. Um, <laughs> so a guy coming from the other direction said, "How far are you going up?" I said, "You know, just past the school. There's a school up there, Horn Canyon." Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, "Well, there's a big rattler up there <gasps> on the path." And I said, "Okay, thanks." I was with my dog, so off we went, and sure enough. We found it. It was off to the side. I was really looking carefully when I walked along. Yeah. Maybe I was being a little too gratuitous. I don't know. But I actually, so I got there and there he, she or he was. And dog, we both like saw it immediately and, and didn't get too close. But then I took a step forward with my camera, iPhone, and it rattled at me. And I got a beautiful little video of it, right? <laughs> So then I stepped back and then I figured this might be a good opportunity to teach the dog something. So I, the rattler stopped rattling and then I let the dog go ahead just a step or two, just, you know, encroaching on the space. And the rattler started up again and then she jumped back. I went, whoa, and we both jumped back. Yeah. And I thought that was a good opportunity. Yeah, uh, but then it immediately. Oh, I'm going to be talking to Mike. You got to tell me your your story is all. I mean, a little different. Yeah. So, um, just backtracking, you know. Yeah, to the uh, actual trip. Never mind the rattlesnake. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll 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 loop back to it. Don't worry. But okay. um, you know, we mentioned a little bit at the beginning, and and people listening probably have varying degrees of familiarity with me. But um, basically, in uh, 2010. You know, I, I've been making music, you know, since I was eight years old in 2010. I don't know, maybe I was 23 or something like that. And uh, one of my songs like exploded. I had a big giant hit song. Mm. And, uh, and so I, at a very young age, like attained a, uh, a gross amount of uh, popularity um, attention from the opposite sex, money, all these sorts of worldly things came to, to me at a, at a very young age. Um, and I had a very successful uh, career and I still have a very successful career in, in music. I've been nominated for a Grammy. Um, mm. In 2019, I felt sort of trapped underneath the weight of my own life. Um, and I didn't I'd wake up in the morning and I just, there didn't seem to be a compelling reason to get up, you know, and uh, many of us have been there. Right. Mm -hmm. And also my father passed Mm -hmm. and then some of my peers um, that were young artists like me um, passed away. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of them from drugs, some of them from suicide, And all these compounding factors, I thought, you know, like just going on another tour and doing like the Mike Posner show feels like unbearable. Mm. So I called my friend Elliot. Elliot always is like exuding superhuman enthusiasm, right? And like he, (laughs) I'm like, Elliot, uh, like I just don't want to do this anymore. And he goes, okay, what do you want to do? I said, I want to walk across America, but like my manager, it thinks it's crazy. And Elliot goes, well, that's great news. I said, what do you mean? He goes, that your manager thinks it's crazy. That's great news. And I'm like really confused. I said, Elliot, what do you, what do you mean? And he says, you got to understand, not all crazy ideas are great, but all great ideas are crazy. <laughs> And it just, something about what he said, like, unlocked sort of like a, like a truth underneath the words. And, and mm, I felt yeah, it yeah. sort of cascade through me. And I just, 
I decided in that moment, like I'm, I'm going to walk across America this year. Mm. And so, uh, April 15th, 2019, I stood off the, the coast of Asbury Park, New Jersey with two feet in the ocean mm. and with saltwater waves crashing over my back, I took a step and step one is take one step. Yeah. So I took a step and I knew the Pacific ocean was like 2,800 some miles away. Um, so I walked, uh, typically like 24 miles per day. I walked supported. So I had a friend with me and he had an RV. So the RV would go like way ahead of me and I'd walk all day and like catch up to it. And um, that meant I didn't have to carry like a giant pack. There are other people who walk across America like carrying bigger backpacks and stuff. And they're, they're more badass than me. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, so I walked uh, and I put on social media that like anyone can join me. And, um, people would come from like all over America to walk with me. And I'd always ask them two questions when they came. The first was, why did you come here? And sometimes they just wanted a picture, like they were a fan of my music and that was mm -hmm. fine. And other times, like they were just had like, they were bored on the weekend and wanted to see if they could actually find me like a scavenger hunt. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes cool. they came because like they had no one else to talk to and they're like their fathers had also just died or they were high school seniors who didn't know what to do next, or they were professionals who were also stuck under the weight of their own lives, or they were soldiers who had seen killing and had killed other humans. And we each walked together, I guess, healing in our own ways. Um, mm -hmm. The second question I'd always ask is, if I pray for you, what should I pray for? And often this was like a one word answer. You get back like love uh, or happiness or um, success. Uh, but sometimes there's like, uh, I remember this young man on the Wallapai Reservation in Arizona. His name was Rowan. And he had a big red Ford F-350 and he pulls over to the side of the road. And I'm like a little freaked out because it's a big truck, you know, mm -hmm. and it's like, you know, 21 year old gets out. And I asked him, you know, if I pray for you, we talked for a while first, but then I said, you know, if I pray for you, what should I pray for? And he said, five years ago, my father died from alcohol and three years ago my only sibling my big brother died from alcohol and he said just three months ago my mom died from alcohol mm. you know so if you pray for me pray for my sobriety because i'm the only one left wow. and it's like he reaches back into his, his truck and he pulls out a, a satchel, like a little leather satchel. And he puts in my hand. He goes, this is sweet grass and sage. Because this will keep you safe while you walk on our lands. And he drove away with his fist out the window like this. And so, you know, I walked across New Jersey, across Pennsylvania, walked across um, a little bit of West Virginia, uh, Saw a double rainbow in Ohio, um, walked across Indiana. By then, like my feet were starting to hurt pretty damn bad. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, it, it hurts to walk across America. It's amazing. <laughs> um, I walked across, uh, yeah, into Indiana, Illinois, into Missouri during a heat wave. It's like really, really hot. It was also flooded. So there's days where I was like walking the wrong direction. Um, walked into Kansas, walked across Kansas. Um, walked into Colorado and I could just see the Rocky mountains on the horizon. And it was quite a emotional moment, as you might imagine, knowing like, you know, you started in the Atlantic ocean, you could see, mm. uh, the Rocky mountains, um, and knowing you got there on foot and 
I had walked 1,797 miles since that first step out of the ocean. And as I was, you know, taking another step, I just felt like, ow, like this pain shoot up my leg. Oh, and, and I didn't think like too much of it, but I knew something had bit me. And I thought, you know, what the heck was that? And then I heard a sound I, I didn't want to hear. And it was, you know, and that's when I realized like, shit, <laughs> you know, uh, a poisonous rattlesnake is just, you know, like sunk its fangs in my, my left ankle here. Mm. So, um, luckily there were, there were two guys there that had showed up to walk with me that day. And one of them like ran up the road to get a little bit of cell phone service. He called 911, got a connection. He brought the phone back. It was still on the line. Um, and I got to talk to dispatch. Dispatch told me, you know, I've sent two ambulances from different directions and a, and a chopper. And she said, whatever gets there first, get in. And I said, you know, am I going to die? <laughs> because by this point, like, just weird things started. It was like, you know, a psychedelic, but a weird one, <laughs> you know, right. and like I, I was felt like I was sort of fading in and out of consciousness. Yeah. And I said, am I going to die? And she said, you know, I don't know, sir. Well, um, thanks a lot, lady. Yeah. Well, at least it was the <laughs> truth, you know, and actually <laughs> an ambulance showed up, you know, like an hour later and um, I got in and actually in that moment, I thought, you know, Hey, maybe this is like my last few hours of life. I wasn't in like a crazy pain. I was just kind of like out of it. And I thought, you know, if it is my last few hours alive, I ain't gonna waste my last few hours alive worrying about if they're gonna be my last few hours alive or not. I was just gonna enjoy them. And and actually, like there was a tremendous amount of of peace and presence that flowed in and all the colors kind of seemed brighter. And mm. I don't know, maybe it was the snake venom, but <laughs> <laughs> long story short, I was in the ICU uh three days. Uh, my leg swelled to like the size of an elephant trunk. I went from walking 24 miles a day to like, I couldn't really even walk to the bathroom. I had like a walker and they'd help me. Um, but thanks Jeez. to like really good medical care and um, yeah, just like getting good sleep and all those kinds of things, eating healthy. Like three weeks after the bite, um, I, I just like healed. And this is actually the hardest part of the snake bite was like, I'm, I'm better. And now I have a choice. I can either quit and stay home. And actually probably no one will even think I'm a quitter because I have this amazing like reason to not <laughs> walk anymore. I got bit by a rattlesnake or I can go back to basically like hell, you know, is so hot, like the excruciating foot pain, uh, like the shoulders of the roads or you're almost getting hit by cars every day. It's like amazing, but it's hard. And I was just like, am I going to, you know, live my life according to like my reasons, AKA excuses or my commitment. And so I said, screw it. You know, I went back to the really? back to the spot that the snake bit me. I was pretty scared, but back then I was having like snake nightmares and stuff. You know, <laughs> but I I just took it. I took another step, and I mm. kept taking steps until I got to those mountains and that were in the horizon. I walked up and over the Rocky Mountains. I started to like dream big dreams. I felt like almost invincible. You know, I started like see myself climbing Mount Everest when I was done walking, but I had to stay focused. I still had a long way to go. So I kept taking steps. I walked across Colorado into a little bit of New Mexico, walked across Navajo Nation, um, which was like life-changing in and of itself. Walked across Arizona, walked across Nevada, walked into California where people started to like prematurely congratulate me. They say, congrats. I'm like, for what? I still have 300 miles and a mountain range in the Mojave Desert. You know? <laughs> and I uh, walked through the Mojave Desert. I walked, kept taking steps over the San Bernardino Mountains, kept taking steps, walked into Los Angeles. I could see the Hollywood sign on my right, kept taking steps. Oh, uh, and the pavement turned into sand. My My walk escalated into a run and um, after six months and three days, 2,851 miles, I 
I dove into the Pacific Ocean. Oh, and so that's the rattlesnake story right yeah. here. <laughs> wow. Never mind the rattlesnake story. It just seems that you have this constitution, and maybe this isn't a natural way of being for you, that is so, there's so much unbridled joy, and so so much of your glass seems to be half full, and I wake up every single morning in basically an existential crisis, and I'm just wondering, like, <laughs> I've been in this world for 10 years, like, trying my hardest to, like, figure out how to wake up with some sense of, like, peace and and, and okayness and, um, go a little bit more like from my head into my heart. And I haven't found that thing. And I just see like you exude this positivity. And I just want to know, like, what, <laughs> what are you drinking? What are you sipping on? Like, what, is, how to, like, what is that? Is it just who you are? Or like, what is it? Uh, First of all, thank you. Uh, second of all, I think it's probably just like a misunderstanding. <laughs> <laughs> I am like no straight. Like I talked about the beginning of the story, you know, it's like that's the reason I left was like I was so uninspired, you know, and, and life comes at you. Right. So like I'm no stranger to that feeling that, you know, like that sort of gray malaise that can wash over life or what you call it, like a low level of depression is kind of just like there for a long time. I mean, I, I, I like I have a tremendous amount of sadness. I think, I think it's part of why I make music. Um, cause I don't always know how to like express it through my words. And so sometimes when I couple it with a melody and a chord, it, um, so all that to say, you know, definitely, I think uh, I have moments where like, I feel really positive and life is great. And, uh, and I have a lot of moments where I feel the opposite. And often they're like in the same hour, you know? <laughs> so um, I, yeah, I, I, I'm not sipping on anything special, you know? And I think like, a lot, like a lot of, a lot of us who are on this path are on this path because we need it. Right. Um, and I think I probably fit that description, you know, it's like, uh, uh, my meditation practice. And now, you know, I have like, a my ice bath practice and my exercise, you know, I, I do all those things. They make me feel good, but sometimes they just like make me feel not horrible. You know? Um, uh, so I don't know, man, I don't have the secret, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's why Ramdas was such a great example of somebody who absolutely had to transform or was going to be living a pretty awful life, right? Half paralyzed in a chair. Only at one point did he really start to, he got around a little bit. There was one point when we first, uh, uh, he, he got out of the hospital in Maui. And, mm -hmm. and then he started to do some real rehab at that time and actually with a cane got around a little bit. And mm -hmm. so, you know, that was the extent of it. And it was, you know, his whole thing was he was a helper and then it was how, you know, who can help me in, in, at this point? And that was a tremendous, tremendous ego buster for him, you know. So he faced some really dark stuff. And came out on the other side. And those of us that knew him from the earliest days knew that he was pointing to who he became. It's a weird thing through this stroke. And uh, nobody should have that kind of suffering. Nobody. I mean, we saw him in, in a lot of pain, especially towards the end, although he was in and out of hospitals throughout that 15-year uh, period on Maui or whatever it yeah. was. So... Yeah, we had a really good example of somebody who, I mean, he would bullshit me all the time. I get on the phone with him, you know, we were t talking all the time. And I, how are you? Just wonderful, he'd say. <laughs> I go, I know a bit of what's going on. That's a lot of bullshit. Will you tell me the truth? And then he'd start to tell me the truth. And then I'd go, okay, yeah, okay, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Yeah. But to have that kind of indefatigable um, life force 
which was based on the fact that he cared. The number one thing for him was sharing. Mm. That's all. And and if he had to deal with pain, he dealt with pain. If he had to deal with being ego busted, that he could no longer do the gift that he had been given in this life, the gift of gab, and that's gone. Yeah. You know? Although he still came up like, you know, you were with him and he told some of the same things you had heard before. But then suddenly he said something that was completely uh, out of, of that particular context. And he would do that all the time. And uh, But for the most part, he was living that thing. So yeah, that kind of, uh, it came from the indefatigability. What's that word? I don't know. I was that courage. Was courage is a better word. Courage. <laughs> yeah. That's really what it is. Yeah. Out of that courage, uh, it was there because he cared about other people. Not just, he wasn't just caring about how much pain he was in. That fact, he couldn't walk anymore. He couldn't play cello. He couldn't golf. He couldn't drive his sports car. You know. Yeah. He cared. Uh, and that's a, a that's a wonderful lesson for all of us. It's like I'd be uh, curious to know. It seems as if you know. Of course, I I met him after the stroke, you know, and I had the experience I described earlier. Mm -hmm. um, but it seems like you know, just some, I had a conversation with Sharon Salisbury. She seems like, and and. and Forgive me if like you already covered this and what you just said, but it seems like the stroke took him even way further in his on his sadhana and his spiritual path than he was before that. Is that fair to say? Was there a big change? Like, because you knew him before and after. Yeah. I would say more that it just became who he was, became uncovered who that essence of who he is mm. there isn't a was in, in all of this um and i think that happened as a result of just the the stroke just peeled off some of the layers of identity that he used to talk about all the time right and he he, he was dealing with all that stuff and it peeled that off so i mean and not it wasn't a smooth it was like yeah. Ooh, ow. You know. Ripping off. The ripping, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I don't think he went anywhere. The first moment that I saw him, when I first met him, way back when, that presence, I mean, I tell this, I have told this, but that moment, he there was no Richard Alpert, there was no Ram Dass. He was just completely being here for whatever I needed. In that first moment, you know, those eyes, and you know, both of you have experienced the same thing with him. The last second I saw him, because I left Maui two, uh, maybe ten to ten days to two weeks before he died. I said, "Okay, I got to go now." So. He was lying back, but he got up on it. I mean, he could, he was in a lot of pain then, but he got up on his elbow and just, you know, got right in my face. And that same thing of completely total non judgmental acceptance and being here, and we're always here, and there's nowhere to go, that whole thing, which you just kind of described already. Mm. That happened no different from the first moment. So he he was I knew he he was already there. How it manifested after he had that stroke because stuff was stripped away, um, karma. I don't you know as Siddhima who was with Maharaji all these years and was our Indian mother said to to Ramdas this this when he thought that Maharaji gave him the stroke and he's mine. Guru's not giving you any stroke. Your your nature, the nature, karma, you know. And, and in fact, he let his body go. And uh, that was a, a, a tough thing in terms of karma uh, to have that stroke. But uh, she said, what you were given is the grace of perspective of being able to transform this pain and suffering. 
and uh, you know that's we all can say a prayer for ourselves for whatever that may be that's covering the ability to just let go and and not be so divided within ourselves. Yes. Sorry about that. Beautiful speech. No. Uh, no, sorry but, for that. That was. But wait a minute. We're talking about music, though. We okay. Uh, let's music. talk about what it. about music. Talk Rachel, about you've been listening to <laughs> Mike for like Dark Night of the Soul conversation. Let's do it all. I just, I, I feel like it's so important to recognize that I, I'll go into music in a second, but <laughs> like this idea of Dark Night of the Soul, and you know, like Saint John of the Cross talks about mm. this Dark Night of the Soul that everyone goes through, and I couldn't help but thinking about Ram Dass during his stroke, like having that Dark Night of the Soul. For me, I feel like the last few years of my life have been like a crazy Dark Night of the Soul. But the thing about that is that like it's like a chrysalis. Like you go into it thinking that you're dying and you might spend like a lot of time in that dark night feeling like you're just totally dissolving. But what's really dying is the part of you that no longer serve you. And mm. I'm really feeling mm. that like a lot of people mm. go through that. And I think right now, especially we're in such a yeah. fucked up time that I think a lot of people are sort of rethinking the way that they walk through the world, their careers, their families, their relationships, so much is like falling away. And I just think that's such a theme right now. of just like things are falling away and we're all terrified of losing our identities and the things that we have. And we're just clinging on in fear, which I know I am. Like I just hold on to these things and not recognizing that it's actually not beneficial to hold on to them anymore. I just, mm. that, that came up for me when you're talking about the stroke because mm. you know, Ram Dass's ego and his, his identity totally like, got ripped away yeah exactly yeah <laughs> yep yep okay when did you first hear mike oh uh <laughs> okay i'll redirect um i actually didn't know anything about your music until i started following you on instagram when you were just starting uh, your trip across the country and i i was like who's mike posner someone like sent it to me or something and um so i became just really interested in you from from just following that journey. And then I subsequently like looked up your music. And um, so, yeah, that was what, whatever it was like two years ago or 2019, I guess three years ago now. Um, yeah. I just thought it was following along, which was really interesting. I think a lot of people felt the same way. It was just a really like unique journey to follow. It's not something you, you see every day, you know? Um, yeah. So it's been really cool. You know, I talked a little bit how I got this like, success when I was really young and uh, maybe more than I deserve. And uh, I realized like my experience of life, you know, really didn't change at all. Um, it, I didn't feel like worse, but I didn't feel better. And I thought there was a disillusionment that went along with that Raku where it was like, you know, I thought like, yeah, I was 18, 19. I thought, you know, I'm going to get this record deal and I'm going to be famous and then I'll... I truly thought I would feel more secure, more comfortable in my own skin mm. if I attained those things. And and it just like revealed itself like to no one's surprise on this call or no one's surprise listening. Like it revealed itself to be a moving target, right? It was like, mm -hmm. I felt the same. And it was like, well, maybe I need another hit song or maybe I need this or that. And the way I look at that now is, you know, the people that listen to my music basically gifted me all these material things. Mm. But the real gift was at a young age to understand those things like actually don't really change your moment to moment experience of life at all. And so then my life sort of became about, you know, in conjunction with like the big Sean stories and all this stuff and like, uh, well, if that doesn't change the moment to moment experience of life, what does? And I, I feel like it's not enough for me to just go explore that on my own. That's like actually could maybe just be a little bit selfish. Uh, it, I like to go explore it on my own and then report back, mm. you know, what I, what I learned. So that's my intention, you know, with, with my music. Uh, and the way, like any piece of art I create, you know, whether it's poetry or whether it's just like posting online, um, is to, you know, share the stuff I've, I've learned along the way. And I've got to learn a lot of cool stuff and it's, 
impacted me deeply. So yeah, I appreciate that. And thanks for sharing. I think it's quite rare for someone, especially, you know, in the entertainment industry where like, I don't know, there's so much ego and typically, you know, so much ego and vanity involved in that whole world. I think it's really incredible for someone to actually recognize that like, oh, I'm like a hungry ghost. I'm like wandering around trying to find the next thing. Like, what's that next thing that's going to give my give me that hit of satisfaction for another couple of weeks. And the next, and I think so many of, obviously not just people in the entertainment industry, but so many of us, I'd say most of us walk around trying to figure out what, where's that next hit going to come from. And um, No, a hundred percent. Okay. A hundred percent of us, other than like, I don't know, maybe yeah. some like yogi up in the mountains in a cave. His Holiness the Dalai Lama would be an yeah. example. <laughs> <Take> that, <huh>? <laughs> but I just think that's incredible for you to actually recognize that like you and learn at a young age that like, oh yeah, this actually isn't the thing. Like so many people never learn that and struggle a lot in life. And I think suffer unnecessarily because they just think they're going to find the next thing, you know, with their new car, or their new hit or whatever it is. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's like been interesting. Also, I went, we can talk about this if you want, but right after I finished my walk, I started my next goal to climb Mount Everest. Oh, yeah. And I and thought so that, we'd need another podcast for that. That's one. fine. Jeez. We don't really have to go. No, no. I want to know about it. Are you kidding? It's like, I'm only mentioning that in context of a point I want to wrap around to. Okay. Like, uh, so that was like a, another year and a half. And like, Really freaking dangerous. And, uh, <laughs> you think? Yeah, really dangerous. And, uh, with, you know, with God's blessing, we, we were successful on June 1st. Mm. Um, my team and I, we summited Mount Everest. And more importantly, we got back down with, you know, all our <laughs> fingers and toes <laughs> and, and nose, mm. everything. Uh, and when I got back down, I thought, okay, I need to stop. Right. Like I did the walk and I went right into the climb and mm. I'm going to stop. So, I, I went on retreat and there's a place I go to, um, it's like a Buddhist center, but they have little solo cabins set up for solo retreats. So they basically like drive you up a pickup truck, this mountain road, then there's a little cabin there with, you know, no electricity or nothing. And they just leave you there. And they go, you know, they go, we, we try to forget about you until your time is done. You know? <laughs> and so you're just there. And, uh, I had be here now with me again, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, I, I read it again, you know, um, years later after reading it the first time. And of course you come back to like the, the quote, uh, you know, before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water after enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. And some of the stuff in the cookbook at the end where I had felt like I sort of like, uh, maybe over compensated where like um <laughs> i was so in like the the material world so i was like mm. you know i'm gonna prove myself i don't need any of this shit yeah, and i'm gonna yeah, walk yeah, across america yeah. and i climb the tallest mountain almost freaking died doing all this stuff and yeah i was re- rereading be here now and it's like no you don't have to do that <laughs> you know it's like you can you can go back to work on monday but be completely transformed, you know? And um, that really resonated with me in a deep way where in essence, now I'm doing like the exact same thing I was doing before I left on my walk. You know, I go to the studio and make music and that's it pretty much. And, but it's all changed, you know, it's from a completely different Mm. place now. Not every day I screw up and I forget, but it feels way different, you know. Yeah, that's it. It's it's only about perspective. It's just that your mind. You can sell a billion records, or or actually not sell any, and have to face all of all of it. Your mind is going to be there no matter what. That's right. You carry. It's just there all the time, and and embracing our humanness is the most difficult thing. Rachel put together this book words of wisdom i keep it by me you know that, <sighs> rachel now because i found i mean you know you just open it up anywhere and yeah. you can get some you know sage advice from ramdas well there's one I'm, and i've been doing it all the time because it's with me on a day-to-day even through my own practice he said i myself stand in need in need of the arms of my own kindness 
That's the one thing us in the West, we can't, well, most people can't, but in the West particularly, we consider ourselves to be pieces of shit that have to be judged on a moment-to-moment basis, mm. right? So we have that so strongly, we can't even wrap ourselves in, in our own ki- kindness. It's mm. okay, we're human. It's mm. all right. We don't and it feels self-indulgent. To- like, it feels self-indulgent to, like love yourself somehow like it feels like that's like you have to like you have to prove something by being stoic or by not um acknowledging your own worth and your own value like you're like you're egotistical if you love yourself or something and that's just oh there's a million reasons not to do it you know that's certainly one of the major ones but uh, yeah self-compassion and we're going to be doing more actually rachel will be a big part of it around uh, presenting some material uh, this fall, actually, around uh, you came up. I love the name. You came up something around, uh, you know, the um, kindness. All right. Uh, we're going to do a course that's around the different ways in which we can develop kindness. Uh, first, obviously, to ourselves through what Ramdas represented, love, compassion, service and mindfulness. That's, you know. That's the whole game. Um, you know, we just went through an hour here. And I never have done anything with a musician, an artist. In, in, I was in the music business. I don't even know. Did I? I must have told you that, maybe. I don't remember. No? Yeah. Yeah. I had a label in in, uh, in Los Angeles for 20-odd years. Um, wow. So uh, music means so much to me. Mm. And... Uh, but I never have talked to anyone without playing their music. I feel bad that we didn't play one of the songs. On the other hand, from our own uh, Be Here Now network uh, legal department, they would go, you you can't do that. because who's, who's your label? Well, it depends well, on the song. Cause let's I've say the, you know, any of the hit songs that we would play. Yeah, the first one was with Sony, and my later one was at the Universal. And so, yeah, it gets all nasty. Yeah, they'll, they'll get nasty with us. They'll close yeah. us down on YouTube right away. So everybody, instead of us having to get into involved with that, and then we'd have to get Mike to call his manager. Maybe, maybe I could sing something live now. Okay, please. Yeah, we'd sing home. Yeah, I could do that. That's the request. You yeah. don't have to, but I love that new song. Thank you. Well, I need to do a little minor. No, so go ahead because uh, that's not a problem. This is a podcast, not a. This isn't Good Morning America. It's not Good Morning America. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, let me grab my guitar. Hold okay. On. That's great. What a great idea. Yeah, have you heard this I, new song? I don't think so. What is it called? I like it. It's called Home. It just came out. Home. Uh huh. Yeah. Is that uh, is I'm that my uh, publicist? <laughs> yeah. Is that Mike's first single off a new album, or do you know enough? Sure. Eh? Uh, he can answer that. I don't know. Okay, you don't know. April twenty second, Mike will be on the Soul Land Music Series at five p.m. Pacific time, mm-hmm. both with a wonderful performance as well as a, there'll be a Q and A. And who and Mike is also uh, uh, one of two artists, and the other artist is Rachel. Since we're uh, Mariah Woods is a fantastic uh, kind of dark folk musician who lives in Poland, and she uh, is wonderful. She's from Denver, or from mm. Colorado, not Denver. Sorry, she's from Colorado. So uh-huh. she's the accompanying artist with Mike yes. on Friday. So it's a great evening of music, and it's available post the. Uh, the appointed time, live time at five o'clock Pacific, and you'll be able to just tune in to where all of the usual places: Facebook, YouTube. Uh, Ramdas.org. Go to Ramdas. The best is Ramdas.org. I think we have the best sound. Is that true? Probably yeah. a little bit more bitrate. Uh, mm-hmm. So, but meanwhile, Mike Posner is with us for our first ever live performance okay i got a tune so mike is this song uh, a single off a new album or how are you doing it this song is uh just a song i wrote that's not out 
that just mm. feels right to play in this moment. Okay, great. And it's called Something Good. Nice. So much, Mike. This, this was such a pleasure, such a an honor. You know, just you guys and all your work over there has has given me so much. Uh, and I, I'm I'm grateful I get to tell you thank you, right? Because there's a lot of other people just listening and hearing the stuff um, that it's touching. You know, I was one of them, and and now I get to tell you thanks. Uh, so thank you both for all the work you're doing. It's it's been just a huge huge like. Um, Co-pilot for me and my journey. Appreciate it. Oh, thank you. It's always great right. to hear for yeah. us to get feedback like that. It's, oh, come you know, on. Come it's, on. It's wonderful. It uh, Everything that we've been talking about, uh, all the music of Mike's will be able, you'll be able to connect with it on uh, when you go to Be Here Now Network slash Mind Rolling. And uh, take a look at the show notes and underneath there'll be links and, and all of that. And also the big thing is this wonderful uh, show on the 22nd of April that Mike is doing for Soul Land Music. 
and it'll be available after that, as we've said before. And again, I really thank you for joining us uh, in the series and joining on on this podcast, Mike. It's thank you, Raku. Thanks so much. And uh, Rachel, thanks for being here too. Yeah, thanks for having me. Nice to chat with you, Mike. Yes. And I'll see you on Friday. I'll be hosting you. So. All right. You're going to yeah. be together. So. There you go. Go to BeHereNowNetwork.com and catch all the wonderful teachers and podcasts. See you next week. Bye.